Welcome to Movie Maniacs. Mike Rags and Chuck Curry discussing the greatest movies of all time and all the new films in theaters and streaming that you need to know about. Like us, rate us, share us. Now, here are your hosts, Mike Rags and Chuck Curry. All right, we're back with another edition of Movie Maniacs. I'm Mike Rags. Chuck Curry coming on in a second and another week in October, another list for Halloween. Chuck and I are going to rank our scariest movie scenes of all time. And I got to be honest, getting it down to 10 was difficult, but we'll talk about that. Also talk about, yeah, there were actually new releases in movies this weekend. We'll we'll, we'll discuss that and some other movie news as well. Uh, but let's bring him in right now. Chuck, uh, how you doing, my friend? I'm doing okay, Mike. Uh, how are you doing? You know, it's interesting. Right off the bat, I want to expand. When you talk about new releases in theaters, they're running uh, coming attraction trailer with like sort of like a live audience reaction outside the theater for uh, a war with grandpa where, you know, you got the soccer moms going, boy, I love being back in a movie theater. Uh, <laughs> it was an awesome experience. Is that going to work as a marketing campaign, Mike? Probably not. I, I, I wonder, too, to get an update on your theater and what's going on. We'll talk about the fact that there is a Robert De Niro comedy that came out in theaters, uh, the war with grandpa w- w- with um, the word grandpa in the title. Yeah. With the grandpa in the title. Um, Chuck, I, I wouldn't imagine you got any increase in audience over the last week. No, it's about the same. I mean, uh, I don't know if you want to consider like maybe like six to nine uh, people for uh, an entire day. Uh, I guess that can constitute just somewhat of an increase, but uh, it's still very um, uh, ba- a barren wasteland, uh, as I guess that would be the operative phrase to use in terms of people actually going to the movie in any uh, relevance. But, you know, what's interesting is, you know, no movies really coming out, but a ton of trailers and highly anticipated movies that we don't know where we're going to see. Um, you got another Jessica Chastain action movie. I saw that trailer, the three, five, five, Tom Hanks, news of the world. That trailer is out. Um, there are movie trailers that are hitting. And then you're just at the end of them wondering, all right, so when and where is well, really all they, I need to they, know. I want to give you a little taste just in case uh, something miraculous happens. And, uh, you know, people feel more comfortable going back. To theaters. What's the deal with the Good Thief with Liam Neeson? Is that when's that supposed to open? Ah, uh, the Good Thief is coming out in. Uh, that's a great Honest Thief. Honest Thief. Honest Thief. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. It's coming out at uh, next week. Next okay. week, October sixteenth. So, right. um, that's that's what we're dealing with there. So, October sixteenth. Uh, look, nobody's going to see that one either, Chuck. I found it interesting. The biggest news, and I haven't ch- getting a chance to watch it yet, but the Stand trailer. Just hit. Have you have you had a chance I, to look? It, it just came out. Give, give me your opinion and I'll tell you my opinion. I, I didn't see it. So why don't I you did. tell us? I'll give you my opinion. Uh, it's intriguing. But I got to tell you, they're making it in the trailer. I mean, I'm not judging the final product. I want it to be really good. But based on the trailer, they're making one of the big mistakes that they always make when they do a, a modern remake. Uh, they highlight effects and explosions and uh, that's really not what the stand was about it's about character characters all characters Uh, the trailer did not blow me away uh i love the original version i think it was what was it 93 yeah i love that miniseries one of the best miniseries i think of all time absolutely perfectly cast perfect story beginning middle end emotion feeling um thought-provoking it's going to have a, a tall task to live up to the original. Well, I notice uh, 
uh, Whoopi Goldberg's in it. I guess to get yeah, into Mother Abigail. Yep, uh, she's in it. And real quick before we talk about what we've watched, quick movie news. I did hear earlier in the week there is a six Sister Act three in the works. Hard to believe this isn't a Disney Plus movie, Chuck. It's not. No, I don't. I, I'm guessing they're going to try to release it, but original original cast. Uh, Whoopi Goldberg is uh, back. Yeah, Whoopi's back. She confirmed. All right. it. What about Kathy Najimy? Najimy, I don't know. I have I, to believe, considering looks and they re-released Hocus Pocus. She's one of the stars of that. I, I have a feeling she'll get a come on back phone call. No, yeah, maybe. All right. Well, uh, let's talk about. Um, we'll get to other movie news as well, and uh, well, let's talk on. about some of these movies uh, uh, kicked. Uh, you got uh, Jurassic uh, World Dominion, which is Jurassic World Part Three. Now, not coming out summer of 2021, but summer of 2022. Yep. Laura Dern posts on her Twitter account. Get ready. Uh, hold on, Mike. I'm holding my breath, but my breath don't last. I can't hold my breath that long. Two years, Mike. A yeah. Year and a half. 22. Uh, they actually halted pr- production on the set of that this week as well. Why? Um, I. I don't know. I guess COVID COVID, I guess the Batman goes from October 21 to March or May. Is it March? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's March 2022. All right. So six month delay. So where does that leave us then? I mean, Wonder Woman's still Christmas. Um, uh, Free guy. Another trailer came out. That's that Ryan Reynolds stuck in a, in a computer game. Looks kind of funny action movie. That's December 11th coming to America supposed to come out December as well. But before that, I don't see anything on the docket here uh, unless you find the reboot of the craft worth going to the theaters to see. So I guess the next uh, criteria that we'll wait and see with bated breath would be uh, the Christmas releases. Yeah. Wonder Woman is. Yeah. Wonder Woman's the biggest one. We Um, both know the answer. These major Temple, there's they're gonna there's no way they're coming out unless like some people think after november 3rd things change and no, you know and i don't a, think so yeah or there's some sort of vaccine i don't really think it's gonna matter um and the 2020 is a wash does that make any kind of awards se- season a wash as well it's a good question i mean you have some of the stuff in the pipeline independent stuff that is getting really good buzz but i i mean it's i don't know how you gain any general uh, mass appeal to uh, award season at all. It would strip strictly be uh, an inside game among the, uh, the talent in Hollywood. The general public's not going to care at all, Mike. No, I'm trying to, nor think should of, they, let's be honest, nor should I, they. And nor has there been a huge critical darling all, you know, all year that people are, you got to go see, you know, and uh, even early in the year, there wasn't anything that, I mean, although we like the way back, it wasn't like um, it took America by storm and no. critics loved it hands over fist. So, um, yeah, be interesting to see. Um, Chuck, let's talk about what we've seen. Uh, I actually saw a new movie. Uh, what do you see? I saw on Netflix last night. My daughter and I watched the new Adam Sandler straight to Netflix Halloween movie called Hubie Halloween. And yeah. I'll preface this by saying, you know what you get when you're going in. And it's exactly what you get, including roles for Kevin James, Maya Rudolph, Tim Meadows, Shaxon, you know, the the same people, Steve Buscemi. It's the same, you know, he, he kind of gets his same cast together. And Right. Let me ask you a question. If, if, if you take a movie like Grown Ups, which was critically lambasted, but the public listening, if you like yeah. Adam Sandler, they enjoyed that film. 
Yeah. I'm going to be honest. I enjoyed it myself. Yeah, they're on good. Par, yeah. On Paul Critic Proof. Yeah, this is Critic Proof. Okay. I mean, he's got a he really has a stupid accent in it, and I wish he would have shied away from very water boyish. And my daughter in times actually said, what did he just say there? A lot okay. in the movie. Okay. But there's a lot of funny bits, um, good stuff in it. And it's a Halloween movie for for the family, Chuck, which is really it's hard to find. Sometimes we talk about it a lot. Lady, uh, there's nothing uh, wrong with that. No, there's nothing wrong with it. Um, there's some I laughed out loud a, a couple times, but wow. it's definitely it's Adam Sandler movie through and through. I mean, this is basically grownups on Halloween. The only thing missing was basically uh, Chris Rock's not in this, but everybody else seems to be. Um, but there are some funny bits that I, I watched and I thought, oh, Chuck would actually laugh out loud at that, too. Just uh, just some side notes. There. I mean, look, it's a Netflix movie. It's Adam Sandler. It's actually better than the other Netflix stuff he's done. OK, um, I didn't like the one he did with uh, Jennifer Aniston when there was the murder mystery one. I didn't think that was very funny. Okay. Um, but this one really plays straight to his audience, Chuck. So I guess I would recommend it. Especially, I mean, if you're an Adam Sandler fan, you're going to get what you want. I got to say, I've been binge watching a TV show for my daughter. OK, she she, she, she wanted to uh, get into Friday Night Lights, which I think is one of the best TV shows in the last great, great show. 20 yeah. years mm-hmm. uh, and originally October 2006 to February 2011. Uh, I got to tell you, you know, it's interesting about when you watch when you run your fan of a TV show. And you haven't seen it in a decade and you go back to it. It is almost other than knowing the characters and some of the moments, it does feel extremely fresh to revisit TV shows a decade later. It really does. And I got to tell you, uh, a show's pretty awesome. And uh, for anybody who hasn't seen Friday Night Lights, which aired on NBC, never was a highly rated show, but was a critical darling starring Kyle Chandler as the coach in a small town, Texas, uh, uh, and I love me some I love me some Connie Britton, too. She's really uh, good she at, was awesome. And yeah. The whole cast was simply fantastic. And what I liked about that show in retrospect. You might think initially it's a family show and it is a family show, but it has edge. It doesn't shy away yeah. from adult topics and adult themes. Uh, and it feels very raw. They use a lot of handheld camera work when they did that show. It was uh, the original movie was directed in in in. Uh, and basically produced by Peter Berg, which we talked about on last week's show, the star of the horror film Shocker, uh, who's gone on to become a pretty successful director in the business. He uh, was a showrunner. He uh, was on top of this series. And it's a fantastic show. Yeah, it is. Uh, and especially rewatching a show with someone that hasn't seen it yet. There's some there's some joy in that as well. Here's, here's, what's, here's what's really interesting. I, I did a I was just curious how old these actors are now. Uh the girl who played Lila, what's what's her name? I have I I, uh, I dated Der- Derek Jeter. You know, what I'm talking about, right? Oh, uh, yeah. Um, Forty years old, Mike. Yeah, why can't I think of her name? Um, how old is the is? Uh, well, Kyle Chandler's up there now he's too. Fifty five. Connie yeah. Britton's fifty three. Yeah. Uh, R- Riggins is uh, thirty nine. Yeah, it's a great show. And then, you know, uh, time flies. Lost in all of it, too, is the movie's really good, too. It's a very good movie. It's a good movie, Bob but it's a, it's a really good movie. But, you know, it's always interesting when you do the comparison. Again, we're going off a little bit topic, which makes it fun sh- to show fun. It's like MASH. Who do you like better? Uh, right. Uh, right. right uh, certain, and I got to tell you, uh, Billy Bob Thornton was good, but Kyle Chandler was great. What that was. Uh, who do you like better? Uh, who was the two characters? Well, let's, let's take the odd couple. Right. right. Who do you like better, Walter Matthau is uh, Oscar Madison or Jack Klugman? I love 
I love me some Walter Matthau, but Jack Klugman was Oscar Madison. Yeah, TV series and Tony Randall, too. I mean, yes. better than Jack Lemon. And, and, sure. and it's hard to say that because you wouldn't normally say that. But the you TV sure show, are you sure great. Matthew Perry's not your favorite Oscar? Uh, <laughs> I respect him, but no. <laughs> um, you can so only I, go to the well so many times. Oh, like. yeah. Well, that's an understatement. Although I will say, and I don't know the actor's name, whoever play, who played Felix on that show was actually very he, good. He did a good job. Yeah, he, he did, did a really good job. job. He, he encapsulated the role. But he's been the, around. He's a good character. He's actor. a good character actor. Yes. Um, all right, Chuck. Uh, let's talk M- about M- some- Minka Kelly. Uh, Minka Kelly. Yeah, Thank I you. I just want to yes. bring that up. Yes, Minka Kelly. Okay. Um, let's talk about some. Uh, movie news as well. And we talked about some dates getting moved around. Uh, another one going straight to um, to Disney Plus now is that Pixar movie Soul was supposed to come out on Christmas. Saw They've that. announced that's going to debut on Disney Plus. I don't know if it's going to be with uh, with your membership or 30 no, I, bucks. I, I, I think it's just with your membership. Well, that's good. Um, and I did see Bender to Cumberbatch signs on to play Doctor Strange again in the next Spider-Man movie. Yeah, I mean, we talked about uh, this last week with the signing of uh, Jamie Foxx coming back as Electro, a villain he played in uh, in Mark Webb's Spider-Man 2, which starred Andrew Garfield as Peter Parker, Spider-Man. Now, here's the thing. A lot of speculation. I speculated last week a lot, and it's interesting because I just did that off the top of my head. But after we did the broadcast a day later, I started looking at uh, some movie news, and uh, a lot of people do feel that is the direction they will go. They will make it a a multiverse uh, sort of like that animated Spider-Man animated uh, feature, which was very successful. And you'll probably have not only Tom Holland is Peter Parker. You'll have Andrew Garfield and you'll have Tobey Maguire. Boy, oh boy, Mike, that is interesting. And we both know if they do that, this movie's going to make a ton of money. Oh my God. Yeah. Well, here's the thing though. All they can do is announce things now. And I guess they're trying to make some sort of movie news. Since they can't do it at the box office, they've got to think of some sort of stunt casting that's going to get somebody excited about. Yeah, I mean, listen, they're, they're, they're going back a lot of a lot of productions going back in January for features. Uh, there's been bumps in the road, obviously, but I think they're going to shoot a lot of product. The, the question is, when will that product be released? And I just tell you a side note. I was reading an interview with Patty Jenkins, who's the director of Wonder Woman. Now, she has Wonder Woman 1984 supposedly mm-hmm. coming out of Christmas. She actually said in an interview, which really, Mike, I got to tell you, made my blood boil a little. She said, in her opinion, theaters are going to go away. And in the next sentence, she said, but Wonder Wo- uh, streaming is not an option for Wonder Woman 1984. So, Patty, w- w- what what is what is the option? Yeah. <laughs> first of all, she's wrong about the first phase. Theaters are not going away. Folks listening here, consider theaters in hibernation. They're not closed. They're hibernating. When this is over and it will be over, it's always darkest before the dawn, Mike. Mike. The sun will come out tomorrow and theaters will reopen. They will. I know it. Uh, We're going to go through a little bit more of a bump. There will be a vaccine. Eventually, enough people will get that vaccine. The psychology will flip on a dime. And you never see the psychology flip, Mike, until it flips. Right. 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 So, well, yep, I, and, I agree. And, people, and then people will go back to theaters they'll go back to concerts they'll go back to Broadway. It's just a matter of time and that time will come. Yeah. And they did announce on that Broadway till May, at least 2021. Yeah. Now, um, to me, if you wear a mask and you fill it to half capacity, I guess that it's not worth keeping the lights on for them in theaters, Chuck. Uh, 
it's it's sad, sad news to say the least um, about what's. Hey, by the way, um, another movie news. Did you see the? Um, have you seen Jeff Goldblum's Instagram posts recently? No. He actually has recreated a couple of scenes for Jurassic Park, uh, updated them um, for people to go out and vote. It's really cool. Plus, he's got one with him and Sam Neill. That's oh, cool. kind of cute. And it's just getting you a little more excited about what may be ahead. Um, well, not till 2022. Um, Chuck, we don't even know where we're going to be in 22 minutes, let alone 2022. That's for I, sure. I, I just got one more. Uh, I got uh, we usually sometimes we play this week in movie history. I got one, Mike, and I just want to bounce off it. Go. What do you got? October 9th, 1992, the release of Under Siege in theaters, which went on to become the most successful film and probably the best, certainly the best produced film in the career of Steven Seagal. I was reading in an interview not too long ago, and I thought this was interesting. At that time, 92, you had Stallone and Schwarzenegger dominating uh, their own, basically their own cottage industry, which is a muscle-bound hero. Fair statement? Um, yeah, I would say so. Okay. I would say and then, so. And then you started having people like Steven Seagal break in. You already had Chuck Norris, who's had success in features, not on the scale of Stallone and on Arnold, but he had some nice success. So you had Seagal, you had Van Damme, a guy named, remember a guy named Jess Speakman was doing DVD or VHS movies at the time. Cynthia Roddick was a martial arts star. Yep. She started doing some action film on VHS, never really broke in theatrically. But Stallone gave it a, a statement. He said back in 1989, when Warner Brothers released Batman, that was the beginning of the end of his cottage industry of the muscled up action hero because then the studios started to say, hey, this superhero thing might be a nice trend. Let's go and invest a lot of time, effort, and money in that. And ultimately, that is an accurate statement, Mike. Yep. Uh, I, I probably, and I sent you a, a fun little news package last week. I found on Twitter the release of the trailer to right. Batman and audience reaction to it. And I think you got a kick out of that, didn't you? I did. I did. I mean, that brings back a lot of memories. I, I was working in New York City at the time. The Batman marketing campaign was unlike anything the industry has ever seen. The logo, it was hypnotic. That trailer, when it played in theaters, uh, people were, the first day it played in theaters, people were going in to buy a ticket to a feature, paying at the time, I don't know, five, six bucks or four bucks or whatever it cost in 1989, watching the trailer and then going back to their job. I mean, it was that, uh, if people were that amped up and that geared up in the anticipation of watching a first series Batman starring Michael Keaton and Jack Nicholson on the big screen. But, uh, you know, Seagal, it's interesting because when Under Siege came out, it was a, it was a terrific entertainment. Audiences ate it up. And then uh, his career, instead of elevating off it, it started to um, escalate, uh, directed on Deadly Ground, the movie that's middling at best. And then, uh, does some other projects that are, you know, not 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 nearly as good. Uh, I did like Under Siege 2 a lot, actually, but it made no money. And then no. his career sort of petered out, and he's probably made as much direct-to-DVD schlock as anybody in the last two decades. Well, he's also never missed a meal recently either. No, I see that. Yeah. I see that. Um, well, yeah, and I think you're right. By dark, by the time Dark Territory 2 came out, I think that audience was gone. And that's um, what happens. It go, it go, yeah. Listen, it go, it, you know, within three or four years, your audience could start to really dissipate in the industry. It's, it's very interesting. Uh, unless you're hosting a podcast talking about it, because our audience now might be as big as it ever was, Chuck. And it should be. 
I've never <laughs> been better, by the way. I've never been better. And that's not the narcissism talking. I just no, no, I, no. I, that, that, I, you know, I feel how long we've been doing this. Tell well, me. I, well, I will tell you this. The episode yeah. that we are doing now yeah. is uh, do you, do, can, you want to venture a guess as to what number it is? It's uh, 220. Close. 224. Okay. 224. We've missed some weeks here and there, but so, we, uh, that would be if you took two, if you took two, if you took 220 hours. Right. 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 220. I'm bringing out my calculator divided by 24. It's like nine days of our life. Mike. It is. And if we were a TV series, this would probably be our 10th season. Do we get syndi- Do we? Can we? Can we sell this to syndication? I don't, we can't even sell it to to the to the Stop audiences that. now. <laughs> Chuck, what else one is more, on I your got, mind, Mike? <laughs> I got one more piece of movie news before we do Fast Five, and Chuck and I will rank our ten favorite scariest scenes of all time. Um, I did see that they're uh, in development. The guy who's actually doing the series of um, Obi Wan Kenobi for Disney Plus is writing a movie uh, based on the ride Space Mountain. Now we've done this before, uh, mm-hmm. Haunted Mansion. Um, yeah. No success, but Pirates of the Caribbean, obviously, to humongous success. And we're still waiting on Jungle Cruise. So, Chuck, I guess the question remains is, you know, will they eventually do um, uh, it's a small world movie after all this time? Do I care? <laughs> well, I mean, I should like the ride Space Mountain. Should, I, don't, I don't know. Uh I was never a big Should, fan. Let of, me ask you a question. Shouldn't a movie be based on an, an original idea that pops in your head and right. the rest follows instead of, hey, we got this theme. We've got this popular theme park attraction. Let's make a movie based on it. Having said that, Jungle Cruise, I think, could be a fun movie. The trailer is, you know, pretty intriguing. It's uh, Dwayne Johnson, Emily Blunt. Yeah. Well, plus two, by the way, Chuck, uh, you're talking about an industry that decided to make a movie based on board games like Battleship. Um, so, which was directed by Peter Berg, and I got to tell you, not that good. movie's awful. Yeah, not good. I know somebody who really likes that film. She's out of her mind, but that movie's awful. Yeah, it's bad. It's not good. Oh, it's, and Liam, and Liam Neeson, uh, I, I think he put all his kids through college just and, and to you be know, in that. Here's the thing. Uh, Taylor Kitsch, who played yeah. Riggs in Friday Night Lights. Another Friday Night Lights, yeah. And, and listen, I, I like him, but the fact is, he never was born to be a movie, he, to be a lead movie star. No, he's a, he's a good, solid supporting actor, and he's fantastic in Friday Night Lights. But when you try to make him the star of his own show, it's just, it's, he, it's just. I don't want to knock it and say it's not there, but he just doesn't work well as the main lead. Yeah, I I, I can't disagree with you there. Um, yeah. All right, Chuck. It's interesting. Um, we got a a eclectic. Names here. Uh, for, hold on. What does that mean? Neglectic? Ecle- How, what? Not neglectic. Eclectic, yeah. meaning wide variety. Mean? Wide oh, variety okay. of names here. Is this, for, let me ask you a question. Does it have anything to do with Beyond the Poseidon Adventure? I'm looking at the five names here. If you can bring it back to Beyond the Poseidon Adventure for any of these Fast Five, I'd yeah. be shocked. Okay. And I, I, I know. I, but I thought it was important to just bring up. I mean, obviously, what would another day? Why would I wake up in the morning if I didn't want to bring up Beyond the Poseidon Adventure from 19? 19- well, we always I'm, reference on this podcast in, in Radio Spot. I'm, I was just anticipating the scene when Sally Field had to jump over the hole was going to be on your scariest scenes list. So that's why I just thought we'd, we'd get to it later on. No? Probably not. But no. uh, There I, are I, some I, scary know, scenes in that movie, but for other reasons. Very watchable, but go ahead. <laughs> All right, Chuck. We'll start with the easy one, mainly because he's the most high profile out of the five here. With Fast Five, I name an actor or actress. Chuck tells me the role or movie you think of first. Right. Um, 
Hugh Jackman is uh, turning 52 years old. Hugh Jackman, Wolverine, and Logan. Is that the? That's what I think of first off. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with two. I'm gonna go with the specifically the movie Logan. Yeah. Because I think it's fantastic. It's his best work. It's that character. It's a very edgy movie. It goes into much rawer, darker material uh, directed by James Mangold, who did a fantastic job. That would be one. And I got to tell you, I think The Greatest Showman in retrospect Good pick. Uh, is the most mainstream accessible of his work. It's highly likable. He's highly likable. Uh, it has tremendous repeatability. Uh, it's not hard hitting, but is it is very upon repeat viewing, very entertaining. And it's so good that he actually did it live uh, performances of his songs. He does all the singing. Yeah, that's a that's a really good pick. Uh, like I said, that one's an easy one. Gonna let's go into the weeds here a little bit, Chuck, and see how you do. Um, Joan Kuzak, always very very likable on big screen. One movie of mine comes right away to me. It's Toys with Robin Williams. No, it's not Toys. Uh, she's fifty eight. Is that your pick, Toys for real? Probably not. You got to you got you got to give me a few names, though. Well, uh, my, to, my, she did. She did get two Oscar nominations, and it's probably her best work out of all of them. Working Girl. Er, yeah, working early Girl on. would be Working bro, Girl is a good one. And In and Out, where she plays the the woman that's supposed to marry Kevin Klein. She's got one of the best scenes ever where she runs out of the bar, says, is everybody gay? I mean, you know, it's she, interesting. She was on Shameless. She could go. She could do drama and she could do really quirky. I mean, really quirky yeah. comedy. How about her? Talent. How about her in School of Rock too? opposite? Jack I lo- Black? Listen, I, I'm going to tell you about School of Rock. OK, I went to see that movie at the Regal Movie Theater in Easton opening day. Me and my wife at the time took a ride down. It's about 30 minutes from me because I didn't have a multiplex in my area at the time. Watch School of Rock. Uh, and I don't say this about a lot of films. I said it about Die Hard when I watched Die Hard. When that movie, when I was watching that movie in the halfway point and when it was over, I said, you know what? It's a classic yeah, the classic yeah. movie. I love yeah. that movie. It's a 10 out of 10 for me. And Jack Black has never been better. She's really good in it also. Uh, she's very good as the uh, would be terrorist in Arlington Road, too. Yeah. She's just perfectly Again. cast in that. Yeah, yeah. Um, David Morse, Chuck, maybe one of the great character actors of all time. 67 uh, I, years old. Uh, he ha- I don't have not seen him recently in work, but OK, uh, top of top of my head. Um Obviously, he's fantastic in uh, The Green Mile. Yep. Uh, and, and I did a TV show that's basically reminded me a lot of the Equalizer called Hack. And it aired on CBS on Saturday nights at 10 o'clock. Me and my wife were big fans of that show. I think it ran for two seasons. It might be on some streaming outlets now, but um, he could play a villain. Yep. He's also in The Rock, right? The he's Rock, in The yep. Rock. He could play a villain. He could play a hero. And he is a fantastic actor. Most people who look at his picture would say, I know who that is. They may not know his name, but he's really damn good. I remember the first time I saw him. Obviously, he was on St. Elsewhere. Remember, he was, yes, he was on that. Yes. He was in the original cast. He goes and I back. loved him. Yeah. Um, I loved him in uh, he, the movie he did with uh, John Savage way back when, too. Uh, he did a uh, movie with Nicholson that he got uh, good, good that, that he got a lot of work off after he did it. Um, was it called The Border? I, I'm trying to think. He did yeah. It. Yes, it was The Border. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. He, he's very good. Yes. Uh, Inside Moves was his debut that he played a basketball player with John Savage. Okay. I loved him back then. And The Rock, obviously, uh, he's always good. But I think Green Mile to me, he. He, he's got the most fleshed out character that he's ever had. That's another movie, the Grimio, because Frank, Frank, when Frank Darabont does a movie, you take notice. I mean, his movies. 
have real staying power. I mean, you're talking about the Shawshank Redemption, arguably one of the greatest movies of all time. The Green Mile has is a really interesting movie because it, it, it has different tones to it. It has a fantastic cast and it deals with a um, sort of a supernatural aspect, which mm-hmm. makes it different mm-hmm. than Shawshank. But uh, but I love that movie and it's yeah. long, but it moves and uh, it's it's fantastic character and acting and direction. All right, Chuck, two more to go here. Fast five, not necessarily movie stars, but I wanted to bring them up because they're they're somewhat iconic. Uh, actors. First, how off, are we doing, Mike? We're doing okay. We're doing good. I, right. I, 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 to use iconic and Michael Pere in the same sentence probably is blasphemous. But Michael Pere is 62 years old this weekend, and there was a stretch in the 80s that he did uh, some good stuff on the big screen. Um, he did Eddie and the Cruisers, right? Eddie and the Cruisers. He did, he did Streets of Fire. Streets of Fire. Those two yeah, back I mean, to back. He, you know, it's interesting. I, I, I know somebody who met him at a convention a few years ago. Supposedly, a really super nice. Guy uh, never became a household name, uh, had a nice little run. But like, listen, like a lot of talent, it's hard to survive and be dry. It's not survive. It's hard to drive for generation to generation. But he had a nice niche back in the day. Yeah, of course. uh, I respect his work. Debuted on The Greatest American Hero, of course. And then to me, uh, go back, watch Streets of Fire. That movie still plays. It's an interesting movie. It's a really plays. And here's the thing about movies like like Streets of Fire. Let's be honest, Mike. They. we're never going to see movies like that again. No, it's hard. They, it, they, they, they took they in those days. They took we're we're in between. We're not at the uh, CGI. We're really not at great practical effects either, unless you took a lot of time and effort and painstaking hours to do it right. But uh, you had directors and writers that tried to create above the budget, and uh, they used concepts that were really thought provoking and interesting and, and different. And um, I admire a movie like Streets of Fire. Yep. Uh, I do too. Um, and I love Eddie and the cruisers as well. All I right. Last, too. I but had not a big le- call following that movie. Yep. Last but not least, 66 years old, probably best known for playing uh, Dr. Sam Beckett on quantum leap, but Scott Bakula, who is very likable on screen, never really made it big on the big screen. Well, he's, he's done tremendously well on TV. He's done well between the NCIS and oh, listen, course- the, NCI- the NCIS New Orleans paycheck has got to be pretty sizable. Well, and quantum leap, was a very good show too. Um, it was ahead of its time in in a certain way. I'm trying to think. To me, the only thing I can think of on the big screen is the Necessary Roughness movie where he plays the quarterback that comes back, and, and <laughs> it's a silly movie. But I love watching that movie. Yeah, I, nothing really. I know he's uh, he was in that Clive Barker hall uh, uh horror movie, a uh, Lord of Illusions that came yeah, out in '95. An, an interesting film. Yeah, somewhat but, of a misfire, but it's an interesting movie. Um, I always like Scott Bakula. That's why I brought him up. Uh, but okay. again, never really a big movie star, no. to say the least, Chuck. But a solid uh, name in the industry, no doubt. Before we head into um, um, our favorite scariest scenes, you had brought up the Regal Theater that you saw one of those movies in. And we'd be yes. remiss if we didn't uh, bring up the big news that came down this weekend about Regal. Well, here's it. It's threefold. Uh, Regal is ceasing operations, has ceased operations here in the United States. Because of COVID, uh, AMC and Cinemark followed somewhat suit, not completely ceasing, but only open on weekends, meaning Friday, Saturday and Sunday. So you cannot go to a multiplex, basically, in the United States uh, on a Monday through Thursday right now. That's ridiculous. And my uh, movie theater, the AMC, they've cut back their theater uh, hours too. some. What are they playing this weekend? Uh, I, 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 they are only open, by the way, Thursday through Sunday now, yeah. uh, which is, you know, 
to say the least. Uh, not surprising. Um, I'll tell you right now, I'll go on my app and here's what's yeah. showing. Well, you know who it's going to be there. The, the, the grandpa movie is going to be yes. there. The, um, the tenant will be there, right? Yeah. Um, on, and I'll on, tell you if there's any. There? Unhinged still there? Um, unhinged is Hocus Pocus is there. Yeah. <laughs> here's what's playing there. <laughs> you have tenant and movie called Yellow Rose, which I have no idea what that is. I guess. So I don't some either. Filipino teen movie. I, I don't know. Anyway, yeah, yeah. but outside of Tenet and the war with grandpa, you've got Hocus Pocus, Shrek, Coco, Empire Strikes Back, Lights Out, a old horror movie, Annabelle, an old horror movie. Um, and then you've got the Unhinged is there. The New Mutants is there. Yeah. Which I, how are they getting two people in any of those theaters to see the New Mutants right now, Chuck? How? It's impossible. Well, it's been out now for five weeks. But here, here's the thing. I, I, just to expand off this. And we booked this for next weekend at our theater. Disney's going to release, and I think it's a very good re-release, uh, Tim Burton's Nightmare Before Christmas. And I'm sure your theater is going to get it also. Yeah, I would think so. Yeah, so that, that makes sense for the weeks leading up to Halloween now to try to get some of these movie theaters to, to play some what, what, what stuff. I, what I want to book, and we put in a submitting, and I hope we get for October 30th, because we don't have room before that, uh, we want to show um, Silence of the Lambs. And John Carpenter's Christine. What do you, you like that for a yeah. week? Yeah, that's good stuff. Well, let's I talk like about it. some other potential scary movies that these uh, theaters can show our scariest movie scenes of all time. Now, last week, Chuck, when we were talking about horror uh, heroes, um, we kind of eliminated Alien and Jaws and all that stuff. But there are some scary scenes. I'm not sure if you put in, but I did put it, uh, one of the alien scenes in there, obviously. So the caveat of scariest scenes, are you ready for my 10 through six right now? Hold on. <laughs> I am. I, I think I'll be as ready as I've ever been, Mike. Let's go. Uh, all right. At number 10. You ready? Go I don't ahead. think you're ready. Shoot from the hip, Mike. I'm listening. Um, this you know what? I, I just want you to comment on this because it, it was my number 10 and I, I it's not American Werewolf of London has a lot of scary scenes in it. Obviously, the transformation scene, uh, all the great stuff, the special effects. But to me, one of the scariest movies growing up I've ever seen on screen is when he has the dream sequence of his family at home watching television and these mutants come in and blow everybody away. Chuck, I cannot tell you how haunting that scene has was was then and is now. And that's my number 10, Chuck. So this is a damn good list. If that's, okay, Go that's my number 10. You can comment on it. What do you got? Uh, I, I think it's a fantastic film. Back in the day, it was very uh, well-received, popular. I don't know if it's held up in terms of not, not the quality of it, but the legacy. Do people really remember American Horror Story, not American Werewolf in London in 2020 the way they should? Probably not. It's a classic. You're Why? probably right. You're probably right. My number uh, nine is the ghost of Kira Collins in the sixth sense. The little girl that uh, drinks the uh, good pick. Yeah. Scary. He's under the tent and she comes in and throws up. Oh, my God. Scary stuff. My number eight is Annie and the sledgehammer. Uh, we all remember that scene when misery when, uh, you know, he was, list, good pick. he was up to no good. And she had to pay. He had to pay the price. Uh, my number seven is. Uh, Sloth is still alive. The big jump scene in seven is my number seven. When the yes, heroin addict, I, I, good pick. That's a scary scene, Chuck. And I jumped out of my seat when it turned out that he was still alive. And my number six is the alien coming out of the chess scene. And John yeah. Hurt, uh, I had to put it in there because that, wait, listen, you got to use the word iconic for that scene. Yep, it's an iconic scene, right? and I was scared as hell. And, when and I, I still, I still think that scene. 
and that 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 uh, that that scene in the psychology of the movie going public is why we can't get rid of the fear of Corona. Because I just think people think if you get Corona, yeah, an alien's coming out of, pop out of you. I, yeah. I, you know, that that was a great scene. We we think alike, but we think very different, and I think that's a good thing for this show. My number ten. Uh, the opening scene in the remake of it in 2017, where Georgie is having the conversation with Pennywise uh, and he sucks him into the sewer, bites his arm off. Yeah. I think that's a very effective scene because one, Georgie's a very likable kid. It shows you how scary this clown is and it really sets up the tone for the rest of the film, which I like a lot. And then Number the second one too, the, the uh, carnival scenes too, that are oh, absolutely. really very scary. It almost made my list. Very scary. Good stuff. Number nine, the scene when the second domain character is tied to a chair in Eli Ross hostel. Oh, good one. And when the guy, the, the guy who the businessman who's gets off uh, and pays to kill people um, cuts the back of his ankle. Oh, yeah. yeah. I got to tell you something. When I watch, I didn't see hostel in a movie theater. And I'm going to tell you why, because I knew the subject matter was so disturbing. It yeah. would scare me. So I watch it at home and I got to tell you from the minute that movie starts, I'm on the edge of my seat and it is disturbing. And listen, you could argue that it's more torture porn than horror. It is just, it's disturbing stuff. Having said that Eli Roth of on a budget of $4 million. It's a really good movie, Mike. If you like this genre, this is a really good movie. So I put that as my number nine, number eight. I went with the, the leg hobbling scene in misery. Um, Boy, that was pretty severe stuff to unleash on mainstream audiences yeah. when they saw Misery, oh. which is a big hit at the box office. Number seven, number seven, Leatherface's first appearance in a Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. Boy, the minute he pops up at the 30 minute, 30 minute mark or so, you are literally, literally riveted and on the edge of you see, because listen, anybody who's chasing you with a chainsaw, especially the way that movie was raw and real. That's frightening stuff. Well, and, and then this, just the size of him, overwhelming. Yeah. And the slamming and, and, the and, door and, shut. Oh, and, that was. And, and, and Gunnar Hansen played Le- uh, Leatherface. They don't make movies like that anymore, directed by Toby Boher, uh, uh, Hooper. Uh, that is one frightening movie. Number six, I went with the same John Hurt alien burst <laughs> of your chest scene. So, you know, what's my, hard to believe is that Cabin Fever is 18 years old. And that's I like Cabin Fever. It's a great I, movie. Back I, to I back. Mean, the remake's not so hot, but I got to no. tell you, uh, I like that movie. I saw that at the Regal also. And I got to tell you, I was completely into that movie. From so the was I completely. So, yeah. Very scary. B- bunch of, you know, uh, maybe the scariest sex scene you're ever going to see in a movie. Absolutely. As well. and, it, yeah. and it's just and it's well cast. Yep. And it, it's a little weird. But it, it feels real. It's 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 a it's almost a horror telling of deliverance, too. It's just, yes, it's got a very deliverance feel to it. I, and I think that's on purpose. Yep, I agree. All right. So, so far, so good, Chuck. We've got five more to go with each of us. Uh, my number five is uh, another great jump scare scene in a great uh uh, M. Night Shyamalan movie, and uh, that's when River, uh, I keep saying River Phoenix, Joaquin Phoenix is yeah. watching the news in the closet on TV, and we all see the alien walk across the screen at the, at the, for, for the first time, and we know we're in for big business here. That reveal is very frightening, Chuck, and a lot of good scenes in that movie. That one stands out the most. So uh, Joaquin Phoenix watching the alien on TV with us. Uh, what a great jump scare by M. Night Shyamalan. You know, it's an interesting movie because 
we know M. Light Chalaman initially in his first film, The Sixth Sense, huge hit. And then he does uh, Unbreakable, which we both love. Then he does Signs, and it, the, a little bit of the silliness started to creep in. A little bit. But I do like that. I still You know, like it's not film. silliness. It's self-indulgence. There's a lot Whatever of, like, look is. what I can do, you know? Well, you know, I have a theory when you watch film, okay? There's certain uh, criteria where it's like stretching a rubber band, and that rubber band uh, identifies implausibility. And if you stretch it too hard and it breaks – it kills the movie. It didn't break in signs, but it was stretched. It was stretched. But I will say that scene. I like that scene. Is, and I, listen, I, I like that movie a lot. And and a great score by James Newton Howard. I think it was. Yeah. He did. Yeah. Great score. Um, look, it, it's uh, not the perfect movie. I will agree with that. But uh, it, it was uh, very effective, to say the least, and scary. Yeah, Your number five. My number five. is It's not a jump scare scene. It's a psychological uh, it's just it's a scene where you don't want it to happen, but it happens. And it's in one of my all time favorite movies. It's Dawn of the Dead from 1978. The elevator sequence when Flyboy hmm. gets in the elevator, climbs up the elevator shaft, trying to hide from the zombies and also the intruders led by uh, Tom Savini, who enter the mall. And then when he gets shot through the arm and ultimately falls into the elevator I'm, I remember seeing that for the first time because, you know, the character really grows on you. You love yeah. those characters yeah. in that movie. You don't want anything to happen to him. You want him to get out safely. And then you realize his fate is sealed. And when that elevator opens and he becomes, you know, he's a zombie. Uh, that whole sequence on a psychological point of view uh, always disturbed me because it's like, damn, I, why did that happen? I don't want it to happen to that character. But boy, is it effective. It's, you know, and, and, and you're watching it. And here's how effective that character was. When he falls, you're trying to rationalize in your own head how he, he still could be OK. He, yeah. he's, he's still going to get out of this. Yeah. And in reality, he, there's no way he was going to get out. of it. It's good. You stuff. know, it's and interesting because in those, you know, when they're shooting a movie in 78 on a on a they shot it for like a million dollars, which is a very low budget, although it has had huge epic feel. I always call it the gone with the wind of horror. Dawn of the Dead from 78, but when he gets shot through the arm, they use like a blood packet, like boom, you know, yeah. and it's like, oh man, like, you know, he's in big trouble. And, uh, but I always found that scene, that just whole scene, the fact that I see it's very disturbing to me. Well, some of the scarier scenes are not jump scares at all. And especially no. when these zombies are work, they're moving at a snail's pace. It's still, uh, it makes it even more suspenseful at times. Um, my number four, Chuck, is not really a jump scene, and it's an image that I can't never shake. And that's when uh, Laurie Strode sees her best friend Nancy on the bed with the tombstone behind her. And then Good. the reveals of her other dead friends, including uh, PJ Souls, who was totally yeah. dead in the in the closet, Chuck. Um, yeah. It's a great scene. Now, look, there's a it's a fan, it's a four star perfect movie almost. Um, but that scene there, if you if you're just going with scares and eerie images and, 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 and that movie has at least three to five really great images in it. Oh, I agree. We talked about it a little bit last week too. It's yeah. just a uh, uh, great stuff, but that tombstone um, in the bed to me, it always uh, stuck with me, Chuck. And, and I, I had to bring that up and that's definitely my number four. Um, and you know, I always found fascinating is the actress. I believe her name was Nancy Loomis that um, played the actress who died there. Um, yeah. 
she pops up in Halloween too as a dead corpse. I never, every time I watch that movie, I'm like, well, did she get paid for that? Was that a leftover scene from another movie? She's That's in a, a body question. bag. I'm, I'm going to assume she got, they brought her back. I'm going to assume they brought her back. Was that a necessary scene for. Yeah, uh, I, you got to love it though. I, I know. It's just, I, every time I see that, I'm like, boy, uh, I, I, we get it. The guy lost his daughter, but uh, really, uh, I don't know. It's I mean, let funny. me ask you a question. Wouldn't you love the scene? Uh, wouldn't you love to have seen them bring back Gene Hackman as Reverend Scott for a close up and beyond the Poseidon adventure uh, when, when he's when he when he's laying on the floor? Maybe. And, yeah. And falling. That would be pretty cool. I mean, they use stock footage of Stella Stevens. Yeah, they did. Right? Do that. They did. But here well, in Halloween, too, I think they they actually brought it back to set. I thought it was good. I'm glad I, you put it up. It was cool. I think what they probably should have done in, in the new Poseidon movie with Wolfgang yeah. Peterson is had Wilbur's body floating by the boat. <laughs> <laughs> and had Carl Malden pop up in one little cameo pair. But, you know, I yeah. brought it up. You you didn't. What's your number yeah. four? If you keep that up, I'll use Lucas's classic line in Poseidon. I work better on my own. <laughs> all right. Uh, we all say that whenever we're in a tough situation. All right. My number four. <laughs> I, I went with the, an obvious one, but I think a great. Uh, I went with the, the shower scene in Psycho. Good one. It, which, here's what's interesting about that. In those days specifically, you don't see what you saw there in terms of they take a they take a character which you feel is going to be the lead in the film, played by Janet Lee, yep. right? She gets in the shower. Nobody watching that movie back in 1960 ever thought she was going to get whacked, right? Killed in that shower in the first 30 minutes of that movie, and they're probably sitting. I can imagine them sitting there going, "Oh my god, yeah, what in the world is going on?" Yeah, and um, you know, I said to this, I said t- to you on this show before I had a, a friend, an older friend who was telling me back in 1960 when he went to see Psycho that after the movie ended, the audience who did not know each other walked out holding hands. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, when you watch Psycho, because I've done a revival of Psycho one and two, and I, you know, I, you know, how I love Psycho two. It's one yeah. of the best sequels ever made. Uh, but Psycho is a very effective film, but 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 it's but to today's audiences, it's not scary now. It's just not, it's very well done. It's well shot. Back in the days, a different animal. We are so desensitized to modern day slasher violence that uh, one born in this generation or living through this generation would not call Psycho a so and so scary movie, but it's a very effective thriller that um, is a classic. And this is a classic scene. Great scene, Chuck. My number three. Look, there. The whole movie, you could pick about five scary scenes. I went with Come Play With Us, Danny, the two twins, while uh, Danny Torrance is riding his little three-wheeler around the hotel, Chuck. There's some great scenes in this movie, the blood coming out of uh, I love the scene in the bathroom with the butler that killed his kids. That's a great scary scene. But iconic, scary, the two twins holding hands, saying Come Play With Us, Danny. Uh, It's just an incredible incredible uh, iconic scene again um and it scared the bejesus out of me i'm not just bringing it up because it's iconic but as a kid um watching that movie those were the two that i couldn't everything else i could handle in the movie but those twins i couldn't handle uh you no, give me I, the I, give me the old lady in the bathtub i'll take yeah, the- that was pretty creepy too hey listen uh what's interesting about the shining directed by stanley kubrick is the the exterior of of the overlook right is uh, is um a real hotel in, in Colorado, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, but the interior shots are all sound stages, which is incredible what they built and the, the meticulous effort and time that he took shot by shot, take by take 
in that film has stood the test of time. And that's why that is an iconic horror film. Yeah, it is. And the, and the car right down to the carpet itself when he's riding along and it's just a, it's creepy. And, I, as and well. like I said last week on the big screen, that movie is a visual masterpiece. And I, I don't use that word. Uh, I don't use that term lo- loosely. It really is. It's an amazing experience watching the shining on a big screen. Good stuff. All right, Chuck, what's your number three? My number three is a scene that always st- stuck with me uh, when I saw this film first time in 84, Nightmare on Elm Street, the alleyway sequence I knew Freddy's bring, when, yep. when Freddy's arms are extended and he's chasing uh, one of the, I forget the character. I, I don't think it's, it's not Nancy. It's not Nancy. It's another, no, it's, another the young girl, it's the other yeah. young girl, I believe. Right. Yeah. And boy, Mike, that scene is so creepy, so spooky, so visually effective. You don't want to go to sleep after watching that scene. No, that's the scariest part of the movie, and it almost made my list. That and when Johnny Depp dies, too. That's a great scene. That's more gory than scary. Yeah, um, but, but just his arms extended. That's, that's the one. That's it, the scene. In all just, ho- that sums up Freddy in that movie. Yep. That's when you don't want, you don't want Freddy haunting you in your dreams after seeing that film. And there's no scene like that in any of the other movies after it that comes close to it, which it's that's one why. one of the great all-time concepts for any horror film. No doubt about because it. Because it. When you watch it, you say to yourself, because we don't understand, nobody thoroughly understands what dreams are and why we have them and what they're about and what they mean. But nightmares are scary. And that played out like a nightmare. Chuck, my number two, and it was almost my number one. It was close between one and two. But my number two is the psychological hell John Carpenter puts you through and the Charles Hallahan death scene in The Thing. First of all, through most of the movie, the alien's within somebody, and you don't see anything. You don't see any special effects. You don't really... It's all psychological. Then this scene, when they actually have the the paddles out to save this guy's life, and then his mouth, uh, his chest caves in, comes a teeth. I mean, from that point to when his head comes off, it is pure horror, and it's all practical effects, what makes it so much more better, too. Richard Dysart's arms gets eaten off, um, and, and his head comes in, spiders, uh, legs come out and crawls across. And the great iconic scene that uh, one of the characters utters is, you got to be blank and kidding me, is perfectly read and perfectly timed. That is an unbelievable scene, not only with the special effects, Chuck, but it is scary as hell because you don't expect that kind of scare at that moment in the movie. And then it just takes the movie to another level. The thing to Charles Hallahan's death scene is as scary as it gets. Yeah, it's really good. And, and it's, and it's so well done All practical uh, it stands up. And that's a really, again, movies like the thing, they don't make them anymore. Cause the movie has a patience to it and a character development and an atmosphere and a setting and it all comes into play. And it, it would all be CGI now, too. And it wouldn't look as good. It wouldn't look as clean. I, I, something about that needed to be done uh, practical. My number two. Good pick, Mike. My number two, the head spinning sequence of uh, the character of Reagan played by Linda Blair. Great scene. And the exorcist. I mean, you could argue it was the crucifix scene also. Oof. I mean, like this stuff in this movie that is so raw, so scary. As I said last week, The Exorcist is the scariest movie and the best. It's, I, think, I believe it's the best horror movie ever made. Uh, William Friedkin directed it back in 73. It had a place and a time. It, it struck a nerve almost like any other film ever released. It was unleashed among the masses. A movie that, that was that roar, that scary, that R-rated, yet people were lined up around city blocks for weeks and weeks to see it, Mike. 
an yeah. incredible experience. When her head spins, it's like, holy smoke. Well, this, not only this, yeah. this movie, this movie is under my skin, to say the least. No, yeah, and it almost made my list. Uh, not only that scene, but every scene Linda Blair's in, whether oh. she's convulging on the bed, uh, throwing up projectile and her, vomiting and her, la- and her language, her language, F me, scary. F me. Oh, my God. Uh, just when she's talking Latin and holy. Yeah, just a great, great scene. No doubt about it. All right, Chuck, my number one. I wonder if it's your number one, but my number one is uh, from the original Friday the 13th movie is when Jason is still alive in the pond. Chuck, I will tell you this. No, it's, I have a different one, but go ahead. It's no, when Jason's still alive. All yeah. right, that's interesting. Okay, so Friday the 13th. Yeah. I have a couple of ponds, and my daughter and I, we go ride our bikes around the development here. Every yeah. time, and I kid you not, every time I see a ripple in a pond, I think, of Jason Voorhees. So tell yeah. me how that scene where he jump scares at the very end of the movie, you know, the, it's, a great, it's one of the best jump scares of all time. The okay. soundtrack changes too. If you notice in that movie yeah. too, it's very light and fluffy. And then you've got now great. I'm not a big dream sequence kind of guy, Chuck. I'm not, I've never been a fan of that, but this was the first invention of a jump scare in a movie that just set the tone for every slasher movie from here on out. The okay. mongoloid comes out of the pond and drags her into the water. And then the ripples, the very, I, I, I kid you not, Every time I'm around a pond and see a ripple, I think of Jason Voorhees. So the original Friday the 13th, um, and I have a feeling Kevin Bacon's in your scene. It it is. Okay. I remember vaguely, I saw Friday the 13th upon its initial release, 1980. I was very young. My friend's older brother took me to see it with my friend. And uh, I got to tell you, that movie, literally, I was on the edge of my seat because I've never seen slasher material in a feature film until that film that said that that really caved a path for slasher movies in America. At that point, when Kevin Bacon's character is on that bed and the knife goes through his throat, which you do not expect. I don't no, think I was no. ever more scared in a movie. No, it, that's was, a- it, it was. And then people say if that scene, that scene could not remain in a film now without it getting an NC 17 rating. I mean, it was that it was that surprising and scary and disturbing. And I always remember that scene. And so I put that as my number one. That's a great one. Uh, no doubt about it. Maybe the most iconic kill in all the movies, great you know, a great kill and scary. kill. I mean, look, we could talk about the sleeping bag scene all you want, which is for me is still one of my favorite kills. Um, and that when he's doing the, the best part of Manhattan, when he punches the guy's head off. But this was pure scary. Um and, and, and the fact that it happens to Kevin Bacon, too. Um, yeah. So, all right, Chuck, let's go through our 10 through one real quick. Again, I've got the Dream Mutants from American Werewolf in London, Ghost of Kira Collins from The Sixth Sense, Annie and the Sledgehammer from Misery, The Heroin Addict is Still Alive in Seven, John Hurt's iconic scene in Alien, um, The Alien on TV in Signs is my number five, Death Reveals uh, in the movie Halloween that Laurie Strode sees all her friends is number four, Come Play With Us, Danny by The Shining is number three, Charles Hallahan's death scene in The Thing is number two, and then Jason is still alive in that pond Friday the 13th and a quick runner up there too. the jump scare at the end of part two is very good as well with the he jumps through the window but uh, that one is the iconic one and that's my number one no jump scares with cats in your top 10 no 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 if we did one that would be there yes all right good pick Uh, good list Mike number 10 for me the Georgie opening scene having a conversation in ultimate demise in uh, 2017's it number nine the character tied to a chair, the second lead character in 2005's Hostel when he gets his ankle slashed. Number eight, the uh, the Annie 
uh, bashing the ankle scene in misery. Number seven, Leatherface's first appearance in Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Number six, John Hurt's chest uh, alien out of the chest scene in Alien. Number five, Flyboy in an elevator in Dawn of the Dead 78. To me, an iconic horror movie. And one of my all-time, top ten all-time favorite movies in general. Number four, Shower Scene in Psycho. Number three, The Alleyway scene with Freddy Krueger in the original Nightmare on Elm Street in 84. The head-spinning sequence of Reagan, played by Linda Blair in The Exorcist, is my number two. And Kevin Bacon's death scene in Friday the 13th, knife through the back of the throat, uh, through the front of the throat, from the yeah, back. from and, under uh, the bed, and, and, yeah. And Friday the 13th is my number one. That That's is fun, Mike. Again, I like, um, the, I like talking horror. Gotta yeah, be and uh, we're all over the map, too. I, I thought we'd have a lot more um, Here, Here's the deal. Crossover. Great list. Fun show, and we got to be on the Beside Adventure reference. It's all Somehow good, Mike. Found, hey, was I, there, I'm ready to start my day. Was there any other – did you have any fringe ones that you wanted to bring up that, that almost made the list? Because I have a couple. Um, the Between Two Trucks in The Hitcher. That's a really good scene. Big, big fan of that scene. And when the nanny hangs herself in The Omen almost made my list – as well, Chuck. Well, I, I, one I would bring up, would, which would be, and, and, and it, it was just gory beyond belief, but the character deserved it, would, would be Sergeant Rhodes getting ripped apart at the end of Day of the Dead. I mean, <laughs> that is some of the best special effects work by Greg Naked Hero in, in, a, in a zombie movie of all time. Probably the best one. Uh, I was actually watching that in my smoothie shop. It's on Roku, Day, Day of the Dead. And I was playing that in my, my smoothie shop. And actually, a customer walked in with a little girl and said, can you please turn that off? My daughter's scared. And I said to her, what kind of mother are you? You need to go, out. You need to go outside. Let your daughter pull up a seat, have a smoothie, and watch this great movie with me. That's good stuff, Chuck. No doubt about it. All right, that'll do it for this week. Another Halloween theme we'll try to come up with next week as we inch towards the great holiday on the way at the end of the month. Chuck, we'll do it again next week, my friend. Always a pleasure, Mike. Thanks for listening to Movie Maniacs. Download one of our archived episodes. Be sure to subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts. Podcasts by Federated Media. Podcasts by Federated Media.